0: You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. If you got a Bible, turn to Ephesians 5. I'm gonna be in verse 15. Just to give you a little backstory, this message I'm gonna be honest with you has been like stewing for like months. Um, And 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 to watch how God works in these things is amazing. Um, Trevor asked me to do a men's breakfast like months ago, and when I say months ago, I'm talking about like like November. And he was talking about we were t- we were just he was like, man, just whatever you know I, I gave my testimony, and he's like, "Man whatever the Lord's laid on your heart." And in that time period, Stacy and I were like bouncing around from life group to life group just to, just to get to know people and and just to kind of sort of see where we were going to kind of nestle in in our own life group and and in the in the process of us doing that in and, and, and in that time period, I began to start hearing a lot of guys talk about the spiritual role of a husband in marriage, and what is my spiritual duty in marriage? What am I supposed to be as a husband, you know, as the spiritual leader of my house? How does that look? And, like, God was just laying this on my heart, like, hey, we need to, we need to dive into this. So I was, you know, really excited to start studying. Like, next time we get ready to do uh, men's breakfast. Like, something came up, I think it was December, and like I was like wiped clean out because, you know, I'm part time at UPS, so anything to do in December with me is like, I'm done. <laughs> Somebody knows. i got a wife that gets them Amazon boxes every other day. Thank the Lord I don't have to deal with that. Um, nothing wrong with it, nothing wrong with it. But we're gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, but in, in the process of doing that, like, it seemed like every time I turned around, like, God was like, okay, it's time to do it. And then January, and then something happened. And then I got, like, I got sick, and, like, we snowed in, and all this mess happened. And February, like, Trevor's like, nah, the Lord's giving me something else. So I'm really excited about it. I'm like, dude, you do you, bro. And uh, he did him, and it was awesome, and I'm so glad that happened. And then, like, the out came, and I'm like, oh, this is it. It's perfect time. So we worked it out. And then David's like, hey, that Sunday before we go camping, I'm going I'm to let you preach. I got some things going out of town. I'm not going to be there. Part of the week, and we're gonna let you preach. And I was like, "Oh, so like I get to do double duty. Like I get to like I get to give it to y'all, and then go give it to the men. Okay. So like some of you, like this is like part one, and men, you're gonna get like part one a Friday night. So if you haven't signed up, sign up. Okay. And some of y'all, I'm talking to y'all. Okay. Y'all, y'all don't need to be looking at me right now. You need to be on that phone. Trying to figure out, you hand it to your wife and say, sign me up, just whatever. Okay, that's what you need to be doing. You, it, it's not that hard. There you go, see? Can do it, you can do it. There you go, Matt's my boy back there. That's what I'm talking about. That's how you lift a brother up right there. So I'm excited about what's going to happen Friday night. And then I'm, like, super stoked about this morning because not, I'm not just talking to the men. Like, I'm going to talk to every, like the women, too, and I'm going to tell you about marriage. Because, listen, we came from Ruth and Boaz and, like, that picture. How many of y'all love that series? Come on, now. Some of y'all, like, really love Come on. Y'all give, I mean, hey, give, give the Lord a hand. That was amazing. And we get to go from that into this beautiful picture of marriage. And, and what Paul shows us about this roles of what marriage is supposed to be, and I want to show you some things that we see through Ruth and Boaz that can kind of just marry these two things together. We just come off that beautiful love story and how God works all these things out, and, and, and you know, we, we get to see this beautiful picture of, 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 man, that last, man, I'm sorry, I wasn't here last week, but, man, I listened to the message, and I was crying, okay? Man, talking about Naomi and having a little baby, it was amazing y'all didn't hear it go back and listen to it um but it's just a beautiful story beautiful story of what God does and to see how Boaz is the redeemer and 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 how Christ's line comes through that it's just oh man God God's amazing amen y'all gotta talk back y'all know how I work okay I'm Costa, let's do this amen I gotta get some energy off of y'all because I'm got I'm yeah it's man but anyway, I'm just excited. I'm excited to see the picture of, of, of the marriage and how it, it pertains to Christ in the church. So if you got a Bible, jump into Ephesians. I could keep talking about it, but we're not going to. Let's just dive in. Let's go. Okay, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, not as unwise, excuse me, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you mark in your Bible, mark that. It's big. We're going to come back to it in just a second. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And now he's going to shift... He's talking about the church. He's talking about the whole church. Now he's going to shift to husbands and wives. So just before we finish reading the scripture, just a little caveat. If you're not married in here, it's not a big deal. You're going to get married one day maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm just saying 90% of most people get married. And if you're not married, that's fine. Paul was never married, and he, he wrote half the New Testament. So you've got a lot to live up to. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> last thing we wanted somebody to show up and say, I wrote a new a new, new Testament. And when I know that no, that's not how that works. So the preacher said it. No, he didn't. Okay. No, I'm the assistant. I'm not. the Okay. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I am the assistant to the pastor. Okay. Well, those are, anyway, some of y'all got that. Praise you. Thank you. But I, we're, gonna, we're gonna sit on wives and husbands today. We're gonna we're gonna think about that for a little while. We're gonna we're gonna look on it. So I don't wanna I don't wanna miss you. So this first point's for you, and we'll get to it in just a second, but let's keep reading. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the first thing I want to do is go back up to the, 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 the part there I told you to underline. in verse. Oh, excuse me, In verse 17. Sorry, I worshiped a little too hard and now my mouth's dry. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay? I want to give everybody an opportunity because if we, if we see, just looking at, at, at the picture of Ruth and Boaz, was the one thing that Ruth did when she told Naomi, no, I'm not going anywhere. Your God is my God. And in that moment, she said, no, I'm going to trust in the one true God. And in that moment that she says that, she submits herself to the will of the Father. Now, I'm not going to say that parts of it were a little bit questionable. We talked about that, okay? Laying down at somebody's feet. Not saying that's the best way to do it, but hey, sometimes it happens, all right? We, you know, thank grace in the gray, amen, all right? But she submitted herself to the Lord. The same way Boaz had submitted himself to the Lord, and we see that as he protected her and as he provided for her in the the time before he was able to be her redeemer. You see, I want to stop here before I get anywhere else. This is the most important probably point in the whole message is is that you need to be focused on the will of the Father and be filled with the Spirit. And the only way you can do that is if you submit to Christ. So if you're in here this morning and you haven't submitted to Christ yet, this is your opportunity. The rest of this message is going to get specific to husbands and wives, yes. But I wanted to take a moment right now as we move into this, as Paul moved into this, he saw fit to to stop for a minute and say, hey, this, this is what it looks like to submit to the will of the Father and to be filled with the Spirit. And there's only one way to do that. And that's through trusting in Jesus Christ and submitting to Him as Lord and Savior. So I'm saying, if you haven't done that this morning, listen, you, you have an opportunity today to do that. You can come grab me, grab David if he survives the kids. You can grab grab uh, one of the elders, Billy, Blake. I mean, w- we would love to be able to share with you how to, how to uh, walk in that new relationship with Christ. Because, see, I, I want to let you know that Christian marriage is built on a relationship individually with the Lord Jesus. If you don't have that first, you are doomed and destined to fail. Now, I'm not saying it can't work out. I'm not saying God can't do things, but it's not going to go well for you if, if, if you're not. And I would just go to take a guess that the majority of people in here this morning, I would hope that are married or that are thinking about getting married, have already submitted to Christ. But I don't know the answer to that. And so I can't do my duty as someone who comes up here and brings the word without offering you first that opportunity. And so I want to just pray for a quick second. If God is leading something on your heart, man, grab somebody that you came with this morning. Grab somebody. That, it doesn't matter. Grab somebody this morning and say, hey, look, I got to know more about this submitting to Christ and trusting in him and this relationship with him. So let's pray. Father God, I pray right now. God, as we, as we continue into this message... God, I pray that you would just help us to understand that the bedrock foundation of anything and everything we do is a a relationship with you. And Father, I pray that, that if there is someone here this morning that does not know you, that does not have a relationship with you, that has not submitted to you as as, as the, the Spirit, as the Son, as the Father, has not submitted to you as the one who died for their sins and rose from the dead, who, who has not submitted to you as the one who is coming again. Father, I pray that your Spirit would move this morning right now and that you would touch their heart. And that, God, that you would do a work right now. Don't wait till the end of the service. Father, if, if it is moving right now, move it right now. So, Father, I pray, God, again, that if anyone here needs you, Father, that they will call out to you and that your spirit would be quick to grab a hold of them. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Father, bless this this time together. Bless this worship. And we give it all back to you in your holy name we pray. Amen. I can't take that lightly. I don't want to take that lightly. That's the most important thing. Okay, if, if, I, if I leave here today and I have not shared the gospel with you, then I have failed. So that's it. That's the bedrock. That's the foundation. And like I said, we saw this with Ruth and Boaz. So now I want to move into the question at hand this morning. What is a Christian marriage? And again, this is going to be sort of centered and geared toward married people or people that are getting ready to get married. But if you aren't married yet, some of you t- young, young people that are in here, I'm looking at one in particular that's on his phone. you got a couple years, bro, and you're out of my house, so you better find somebody good. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Y'all heard it. Love him to death, but I need that spare bedroom. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. He can stay till he's 30 like I did. Um, my mama's here. She can say amen. She knows. She knows. But I, wanted, I want us to look at what Christian marriage is. Because uh, I mean, first, before we define that, let, let, let's, let's talk about what it's not. Because notice I'm, I'm saying not just marriage, I'm saying Christian marriage, because there is a difference. Because if you look and think about the world and their definition of marriage, it is screwed up. Amen. You better be you if you know anything about our culture, that's an amen. I mean, and and I just Googled it, okay? The definition of marriage, okay? And this is what Google gave me. First thing that came up, okay? A formal union and social and legal contract between two individuals that unites their lives legally, economically, and emotionally. Now notice what it didn't say in there. There's no spirituality in there involved whatsoever, and there's no defined gender roles either. Some of y'all just made y'all a little uncomfortable, and that's all right because it's going to get worse. I got to looking, okay, I said, all right. I said, all right, okay, so I get that, right, I mean, we, we all understand where our culture is today, if you love somebody, marry them, right, it don't matter if it's whatever, okay, and I'm using that term loosely, okay, but I got, I just Googled, I said, Let, just for the heck of it, I'm going to chase the rabbit, I want to I wanna Google the craziest marriages of all times, man, I wish I would never done that, <laughs> but I'm going to share them with you, so here they go. So, of course, there were a couple on this list. It was a top ten list. There was a couple on the list of a guy marrying his dog, a lady marrying his cat. Those are, okay, I get those, okay? I love my dog, but no, I'm sorry. I'm not marrying my dog. Um, that would just be crazy. Stacy sometimes thinks she wants to kick me out and marry the pig, but that's probably, I understand that. But No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love the pig. Um, some of you don't know we have a pet pig that lives in the house, so um, now you know why I am crazy. Um, but, like, one woman married the Berlin Wall. Now, I'm kid you not. Like it, I was like, what? Like she married the Berlin Wall, like a piece of it, moved to her front yard. She married it. Crazy Germans. Um, another married the Eiffel Tower. The French are worse. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm gonna offend somebody today. It's just gonna happen. I'm just, just not. She married the Eiffel Tower. Changed her last name to Eiffel. Okay, that was that's. It's crazy. These are true, y'all. These are true. I'm not making this up. You can Google it. It's true. One man married himself. Kid you not, Tokyo, Japan, had a cardboard cut out of himself as the man, and he dressed up as the woman. It was crazy. Married himself. That, anyway. Um, and there was another guy that married an anime character. I am kid you not, okay? I love video games. Like, I, mean, I love them, okay? He had a Nintendo DS. Okay, that shows you how long ago it's been. And, like, he had, like, it was a, his character in the, and, like, he brought it to, like, the altar. Like, in me, <laughs> like, he showed him kissing his Nintendo. Like, it's his Game Boy or whatever. It's, it's crazy. But that's what the world has perverted marriage into being. If you love it, marry it. Like, I remember when we were kids, we used to say that. You know, I grew up in the Pee Wee Playhouse era. Don't judge me. Um, and you know, he was, you know, hey, if you love it so much, why don't you marry it? You know. I mean, and I don't know, I guess our culture, we were just like, we heard it so much, it's true now. If you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Look, this is not the way marriage works, y'all. Can I get amen about that? We, we can all agree on that. This is crazy, okay? But this is another reason why, a huge reason why we need to separate Christian marriage from the marriage of the world. It's the reason why we need to set an example, about what marriage truly is. So let's, let's define what marriage truly is. And I, I want just, to just let you think about this for a minute. The Bible is bookended by marriages. In Genesis chapter 2, 24, Adam and Eve's marriage happens. Okay. In, in Revelation 19, we get the marriage supper of the Lamb, where, where we're going to see in a few minutes, where Christ and the church are married in this eternal, this beautiful picture of what marriage is supposed to be, the picture of what it's supposed to be. And then we see from from Paul where he goes into verse 22 about wives submitting to your husbands. Husbands, loving your, your wife like Christ loved the church. Notice he spent more time in this passage talking about the marriage of Christ and the church and how we are to relate to that than he did anything else. And so understanding that verse 32, he says, the mystery is profound. He says, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So what marriage is, is this. It's simply this, is a marriage is between a man and a woman in a covenant, It is the covenant picture, excuse me, of the relationship between Christ and the church. So let me tell you this, this morning, your marriage is not based on love, Okay, Your marriage is based on a covenant that you make between God and your spouse on your wedding day that you are going to, are going to be a picture of what the marriage between Christ and this church is. Amen. That's your marriage. Because I have not, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I've heard it plenty of times. I have fallen out in love with that man. I have fallen out of love with that woman. Well, let's, let me tell you something. You don't fall out of covenant. Yeah. Come on, bro. It doesn't happen. Because if that's the case, then we're all doomed to hell. Because God's covenant never left his people. God's covenant was so strong that he said, I'm going to send my son to solidify that covenant with with him dying on a cross, that blood being shed as a sacrifice to, to those people, that church that I love so much, that I'm going to be able to have a relationship with them. This is what marriage is. It's the reason why there's no marriage in heaven. Some of y'all, I'm glad y'all didn't say amen. (laughs) There's no marriage in heaven. Y'all realize that, right? Because the marriage has already happened. Christ has already married his church. When that happens, when this new heaven and new earth happen, there are no spouses in heaven because the ultimate marriage has happened, and that's Christ has been married to his church. We have come home to, to our Father. We have come home to our, our, as, as a church to, to our bridegroom. He has prepared a place for us. He's preparing a place for us now so that, so that we, as the bride of Christ, can walk through the threshold of heaven and, and be lavished with love and with gifts and with, and with holiness and with worship. You see, that's what our aim is, and that's what the picture of Christian marriage is supposed to be. And if it's not that, then we got some work to do. I love this quote Jeffrey Bromley said this way. He says, as God made man in his own image, so he made earthly marriage in the image of his own eternal marriage with his people. It's beautiful. I mean, you think about that. Go back to Genesis and think about that for a minute. I mean, God made man in his own image, and then he made Eve from the rib of Adam as a helper for the, the, the man. And then in, in chapter 2, he says, now I'm going to bring them together. You, you, you will be married, and you will leave your households and become one flesh, and you will become a family. And that marriage will be the picture. That covenant that you have, Adam and Eve that you have with one another, will be the picture that will live on. And it's the picture we see with Ruth and Boaz as well. I mean, you look at what, what Ruth did. She she followed God's lead. She said, Yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you. When Naomi was trying to get her to leave. And then as she was waiting on Boaz. She submitted to his leadership in that he was, yes, the Redeemer, but there was another one. Remember that in the story? He had to wait on that other Redeemer, and then he had to get a little crafty. And he did all that to protect her and to provide for her. How many times did she leave there with so much grain she couldn't hardly carry it? You see, he was providing, protecting her. See, all those are pictures of the marriage that we're supposed to have, that's a picture of the marriage that we are supposed to show this world of what Jesus and His church is. So let's get down to the the fun stuff this morning. The roles of marriage. This is where this is where we're we're kind of we're kind of funneling into this morning. We're gonna sit in on this uh, passage twenty two through thirty three of. Ephesians, and let's listen to what Paul says, the roles of marriage are. Actually, let's do this. Let's talk about what they're not first. All right? Let's talk about what they're not first. Because I want to make sure you understand this morning, because I'm going to share a little bit about my background and where I came from. I want to make sure you understand this morning what they're not, because it can be very easy for us. And maybe some of you have grown up in churches like this. Maybe some of you have known people like this. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've been in marriages where these words have been uttered and they are just, they're just absolutely have destroyed you as a, as a person and God is doing everything he can to restore you right now. Listen, God can do it, okay? Amen. God can restore you and he has you here for a reason this morning. But let me tell you what the roles of marriages are not, okay? When you, when you look at verse 22, he says, wives, submit to your own husbands. Okay. That does not mean that, fellas, you get to walk home or walk walk in the house after a hard day of work, kick your feet up in the recliner, grab the remote, and go. Where's my supper, honey? What make me a sandwich? It doesn't mean that that you are waited on hand and foot. Right? It doesn't mean that, ladies, that you have to make sure that everything, like, it's all perfect. Like I've got, like, you are not to be, you are not to be afraid of him, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, if you are, and if there's a man in this room right now, okay? If there's a man in this room right now that is making you feel that way and that, that, is, that is leading you that way, and he's saying that it's a Christian marriage and it's I am doing this because the Bible tells me so, let me talk to him. Because there's not one ounce of Christ in him if he's willing to treat you that way. In the same way, when I say, when Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he says, they're the head of the church. So for the husband, excuse me, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. You do not rule and reign over her. Okay? I think we made that very clear. But I'm going to give you another little, little bit, because here's what the world likes to do, okay? The world hates this, y'all. The world hates this, okay? I mean, there, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, like, if they knew we were preaching on this, they would be two or three different groups wanting to come out here and picket in front of the church this morning right now. Ladies, this is not a, a, a reason for you to decide, you know what, I just don't like that, that passage, and there. there's no man going to be uh, heading over me. Okay, So I tried to get an attitude there, but it didn't work. I mean, I know some of you might be thinking that, like, ain't no man going to tell me what to do. There it is. Oh, I knew she was in there somewhere. Y'all might have to lay hands on me in a minute. See, some of y'all, I know, listen, I I, I better watch what I say. She's right over there. I married a strong-willed woman, okay? I love her to death and I wouldn't take anything for it in the world, okay? But don't be so strong-willed that you're going to look at your man and say, no, you ain't going to be no head of, you ain't going to tell me what to do. No, 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 no. If that is your attitude in marriage, you don't understand what Paul is talking about here. You don't understand what the picture of a Christian marriage is. You don't understand what it means to submit as Christ to Christ as the church submits to Christ if that's your thought process in your head this morning, then I honestly need to sit down and question whether, whether or not you are truly submitted to Christ. I mean, let's just be honest this morning. You see, the world has has, has shredded this, this beautiful picture of headship and submission to make people think that, no, no. I mean, it's it's made women think, no, 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 you stand up to him. You Listen, I'm not saying that if he's beating you, you don't stand up to him. I'm not saying if he's not, I mean... Because understand this, okay? I'm trying trying not to get ahead of of myself. Mm, Y'all, come on. We get so caught up in that first verse. Wives, submit to your husbands. And it's like we forget to read the rest of it. I've been in churches where they want to sit on that verse and tell women what to do. And they forget the rest of it. Let me tell you, ladies, if he loves you like Christ loved the church, you ain't got nothing to worry about. You ain't got a thing to worry about. If he loves you the way Paul tells him to love you and honor you and respect you in this passage, then you have nothing to worry about. But at the same time, men, it says you're to be the head. Don't you walk in that relationship and carry your head down and you're scared to lead. Because I've seen that happen too. I've seen it happen where man, yes, yeah, I, yeah. I love Jesus and I love my wife and I'm scared to death of her. Why? I'm just afraid to make decisions. I'm afraid she's gonna get upset with me. And I'm afraid. To, listen, you know what she, you know what she wants more than anything. She wants you to step up and lead. That's what she wants you to do. So we need to understand, and I know I kind of mixed them together there, but that's the roles are not those things, okay? I mean, I. I I've seen it. I, I lived it. It's a perfect example of it. My father-in-law was one of these guys who was, hey, you submit to me. And when I say you submit to me, I mean you, you, you wait on me in my hand and foot, in my beck and call. And there were times where some of us would call him out on it. We'd go over to him and we say, hey, you know, that's not exactly what Paul's talking about here. He goes, explain it to me. Show it to me in the Bible because what I'm reading in my Bible says that wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. We're like, yes, you're missing that part as to the Lord. No, 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 no. You don't understand. It's her duty as my wife to wait on me hand and foot. I'm going to tell you, there were so many times I wanted to punch that man square in the mouth, and it took the Holy Spirit not to have me do it. Basically, she's like, yeah, she wanted to punch him too, trust me. You know where he learned that from? He learned it from a church from a pastor who stood up in a pulpit on Sunday morning and said those words. Wives, you are to be subservient to your husbands. Husbands, you lead. When I say you lead, you lead with an iron fist. If that is your view of Christian marriage, we need to talk afterwards out in the parking lot. (laughs) I will lay hands on you, okay? <laughs> but let's look at the beautiful picture of this, okay? We, we can talk about this for a while. But I want us to look at these two things, okay? And we're going we're to gonna kind of do kind of an overview of them. And then men, on Friday night, we're going to dive really deep into what it means to be uh, the, the head of the household, okay? So I, I'm not going to go into a lot of application here for that. For that. We're going to save that for Friday. But I do want to spend some time on what these two things mean coming out of what Paul is talking about here. So the first thing is this, the husband, you're the, you're the head, the headship. What does that mean? This is taken, I mean, we just read it. We just talked about it. This is taken from Christ as the model, as the head of the church. Like, so, husbands, who is your model? It's Christ. What did he look like? Okay? Let's, let's look at this passage. I want, you, I want you to hear a couple of these words. Look at this passage, verse, verse 23. Let's start there. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Just think about that for a minute. What did Christ do as a savior? How did he save you? Just think about that for a minute. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to in everything to their husbands. Now, verse 25, catch this. I want you to hear some of these words in here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did that look like? Talk back to me. What was it? The The sacrifice on the cross, right? So, what does that mean as a husband in a Christian marriage? What does that mean for me? That means I love her sacrificially. Do I do that all the time? She ain't gonna answer it, but I'll tell you, I don't. I i I'm I follow on that. And then that's the thing. This is this is I want you to understand. I don't want you to get to the point where you hear this, especially men. I don't want you to hear this and go, I failed at this so many times, I might as well just give up. No, 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 no. You're falling. You're going to fail. That's why we need Christ to wash us of that and to help pick us back up, okay? And wives, that's where we come in as, as, the, as, as the, the, the helper to pick our husbands up. We're going to get to that in a minute. Mm. I I'm, I'm, mean, mm, this is good. Come on, y'all. Mm. So you get that, that sacrificial leadership of love. It says, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Well, go back and remember what Jesus did to the disciples before he died. What did he, as the leader of this this church, this movement, do? One night in the upper room, he took a towel and wrapped it around himself, and he got down on the floor and he washed their feet. He showed them, he said, I want you to love this world like I'm showing you right now as a servant. Man, you're supposed to love your wife sacrificially, but it's also a servant leadership. And then as you keep going, you see, you see that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Do We protect and provide for our bodies, right? We do that. That's just the instinct then we should be the protector and provider over our wives. We saw that in, with, with Boaz. He was a servant leader. He was a provider. He was a protector for Ruth. Men, that's what this means to be the head of the house. That's what this means. And I get it. I get it this morning. Listen, I'm, God's even speaking to me. He's been speaking to me all week as I've been preparing this message. Listen, I got work to do, Okay. Don't leave here this morning with your head held down going, I'm just a failure, I'll never be good enough for my wife, I outpunted the coverage, God, why did you do this to me? No, 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 no. You walk out of here this morning with your head held high because you know that you're going to leave here with Christ is going to help you. And you're gonna, we're going to work on this stuff together, okay? That's why we're doing what we're going we're to do Friday night. That's why we're going out in the woods, okay? To get eaten up by mosquitoes and eat meat off a grill because we're men, you know? We're gonna talk about how much we fail. It's okay. All right? Cry out there, so somebody sees us. <laughs> okay, I cry all the time at everything, it doesn't matter. So, what does that look like? What is headship defined? What is it defined? It is defined like this Headship is the divine calling, okay? As a Christian, as a Christian, you, are, you have this divine calling as a husband. If he's called you to be a husband, you have a divine calling to take primary responsibility for Christ-like servant leadership, protection, and provision in the home. Men, when you, when you stood there and watched her walk down the aisle, and you said, I do, and you gave her a kiss, and y'all walked out of that, that sanctuary or walked off that beach or wherever you had your wedding... You said, I do, not just to her in a relationship with her. You said, I do, saying that I'm going to be the servant leader of this house. I'm going to be pr- the protector and the provider, and I'm going to get my cues, not from the world, but I'm going to get my cues from Jesus Christ and his holy word. That's what you said when you said, I do, and you walked out of there that day. And let me tell you something, guys, and I'm going to stop on you guys for a minute because we need it. The world needs this, Okay? Listen, the world needs to see you fail and get back up. The world needs to see you say, you know what? Yes, I am not good at this, but my God is good at helping me do this. That it's not about me. That the picture of marriage is not me loving my wife. It's Christ loving the church so much that he gave himself up for her. And that is the picture. You see, if we do that, man, if we are that man in this relationship, guess what? The world will see marriage much differently. If the church would just step up and say, "No, know what, we're going to control the, the, the dialogue on what marriage is, not the world. It would look so much different because we have the, the perfect picture of Christ and his church. Now, ladies, your distinct, unique role is submission. And that, in today's, listen, just in the last 50 years, that word is not a good word, okay? Words change. There are different definitions of things that changes over time, but the, the definition of that word in the Bible is, is, is submission. It's what you think it is. It's, it's I am going to, I'm going to give over uh, to authority. I'm going to submit to your leadership. But that is not a cowling down because you're afraid It's I submit to your leadership because I see how much you love me. I see how much you're willing to sacrifice for me. I see how much you're willing to serve me. And yes, I submit to your leadership because I understand that God has placed you the head of this house. Now that doesn't mean that you stay there, that you stay in this submission form. You get up and like God said in in Genesis, he made Eve a helper. He made her a helper. You see, ladies, you have a role in this relationship. It's not just to submit to him and his leadership. Well, I don't get to make any decisions. I don't get to, I don't get to do anything. You know, I'm just going to let him lead, and I'm just going to follow just like a, a little puppy dog. No. Your role is almost, I, would, I think as a man, I think it's more important. Because, ladies, a lot of times you're the rock that we lean on. A lot of times, your, 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 your submission comes alongside of us and it picks us up in the time that we need it. You see, we, we look at what, what, what Paul was talking about here. He, t- he took this submission as, as a model of the church in response to Christ. The church submitted to Christ's leadership. Why? Because Christ showed that he was the head. He was the leader. He was one that was worthy of the authority and to be followed. And that authority was given to him by the Father as a spiritual guide. And so the church, as, as the church, as a church in the body, we submit to Christ and we follow him. And we look to his leading and we look to his, his guide. And if you think about this picture of the church uh, of submitting to Christ, what we see all throughout Scripture is a church that has love and that trusts and that has humility And that in this submission just doesn't just let this thing flounder. I mean, if you go back into Ephesians, back into into chapter 4, you see it says that Christ is the head and the church and all of its members make up the body. You see, when... When you have a Christian marriage, it's just like Christ in the church. We can't just say, okay, well, it's just Christ and nothing else. We're just going to be sitting here submitting, submissive to, to Christ, but we're not going to do anything. We're just going to sit here and wait on Christ to come back, and we're going to wait on his leadership, and we're just going to sit here. Because what happens? That's a head with a body that doesn't work. It's the same thing with the ladies. If you just sit there and you say, I'm just going to submit, every, I'm just going to give it all up to my husband, I'm just going to let him do everything, I'm going to let him make him all the decisions, and I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to follow along. Listen, he's having a hard enough time being the spiritual leader of the, 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 the household, especially if you have children. He doesn't need to drag you along with him. He needs you to get up and, and right there beside him. He needs you to fight. Listen, I'm going to tell you this morning, listen, and I know this is coming from a male point of view, okay? But I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing that God ever gave me was my wife. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's been so many times where in my walk with Christ and in my walk in this ministry that I found myself depressed and in a gutter and the only person that could speak sense into me is the only person that the Holy Spirit used to, to wake me up out of that, to pick me up, to say, get back up because I need you to lead me is my wife. Listen, ladies, you have a, an important, beautiful role in this relationship. And I want you guys to understand they're different. They're unique. They're not, to, not supposed to be the same. But when we look at the definition of what submission is supposed to be, it's this. It's the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership And help carry it through according to her gifts. I love this definition of this because of that last part right there. According to her gifts. Ladies, this morning, you have been placed with your husband for a specific reason. Because God knew he needed you. More more ways than you can even think of. You see, you have gifts and talents and abilities that your, husband do not, that your husbands do not have, okay? There should be more amens than what I just got, okay? George is down here like going, he's like, yes, sir, yes, sir. Well, I am, I'm on it. Ladies, there are some of you that God has given you specific gifts, and you're like, God, why did you give me this gift? And then you married your husband, and you're like going, oh, okay, I see now why. I get it. But that's the beauty of this do you see this I want you guys to understand this and get wrapped your head around that's the whole beautiful picture of this again the world wants to take this headship and submission and they want to distort it and they want to make it to where it's oh these are bad words we know we don't need to do this no women you need to step up and you need to be a leader and you need to, you know you need to get in there and, and you need to to lead your house and lead your kids and you tell your husband off and tell him where he can go no 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 and it, it, it doesn't need us to look at, at men and say no men you stand up and and you 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 control that woman and you tell her what to do. No, 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 no. There is beauty in this picture of headship and submission and and the way it ebbs and flows because there's beauty in the church and the way we ebb and flow with Christ. You see, I want you to see that this morning, that each of your relationships are different. And those of you that aren't married yet, but you're going to get married or you're, you're looking for a spouse, listen, God already knows. God knows the perfect person that he needs for you. And it's going to work out if you allow it to. If you allow Christ to come in and be the head of that relationship, it will work out. If you both submit to Christ's leadership, it will work out. And you'll start to see, wait a minute, God, that's why you gifted me in this way. Oh, wait a minute, okay, I see now what what leadership actually looks like. And you'll start to see this picture that that it's not necessarily the man leading the family and bringing them along, but it's this beautiful... Like you said, ebb and flow, there's movement, it's fluid. Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. But it's true. I'm going to tell you there's time listen. Stacy can tell you, okay? I'll give you a little bit of, little bit of example from our life. Think about what I'm going to say first. <laughs> Six years, I was in college. I do not have a doctorate. I am not a medical degree. I don't have any of that, okay? I barely made it out with a bachelor's degree, y'all. In youth ministry, no less. One of the easier ones, okay? It wasn't a, it wasn't like some crazy. I didn't have to do Greek for youth ministry, okay? And somehow it still took me six years. And she fought and worked and scrapped and clawed and did everything she could as I was... Working a job and trying to go to school, as we were just in the process of getting married, we, we, we were going to wait till I graduated, but she's like, I'm too tired of waiting. We just need to get this up. We just need to do it. And so we're in the process of just being newly married, and here I am trying to finish school, and I'm trying to work, and she's out here working, and, and we're, we're, we're buying a house together. All this stuff's happening. And, I mean, it's just like I, I just I remember thinking back on it, and I'm like, what was I doing? Like what, like, what was I, like, you know, why, I mean, and I still, you know, I'm like, I did that for six years, and I'm working part-time at UPS and, and loving every minute of being here at Doxa. Notice I didn't say that about UPS, but, you know. <laughs> and she still, in, in, in those years of ministry, has, has, has stepped up in times to support. Now, that doesn't mean that she stepped up and led our family, okay? That doesn't mean that she stepped up and go, okay, now now because you're over here, I'm going to let you finish doing what you're doing. I'm going to step up and be the head of the family. No, that meant I still had to step up and make some spiritual decisions for our family, some hard spiritual decisions for our family. We ended up having a, having a child. Bless his heart. He doesn't even know. He's over there on his phone. Your dad's up here. You at least could you know, listen, you know, Okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> But then we had, you know, we had, we had started to have kids in the midst of this, and I'm still part-time in ministry. I'm still scrapping to get by, and she's still there the whole time behind me, being my cheerleader, being, my, being the one that lifts me up. I mean, she was there. I mean, she worked. I mean, I never heard her complain too much. And um, am on this side of the table. I'm just kidding. But, but she, came, she came alongside of me, and she lifted me up for years. And 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 it never. I never relinquished my headship to her, but it was this beautiful picture of her saying, "Hey, look, it's time for me to step it up in some areas, and I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to help you, and we're going to get through this." And luckily, we have. And now there's times where you know that that I I've come back and 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 I'm like, you know what I. I want to repay those times. I want to give her back everything that she's ever ever wanted in in a husband and and a leader of a family. And listen, I'm going to tell you guys, again, sometimes I fail at that, but it's what it is. I'm trying my best because I'm looking to Jesus to give me the cues to say, hey, how do I lead this family? How do I lead this this group of, of beautiful people that you've given to me? He led us through one of the hardest times of leadership in my life that I had to be a spiritual leader and stand up for what I believed in and tried to stand up for what Christ was doing and not knowing what was going on. And our life is when Bradley had his heart surgery. Bradley, some of y'all don't know this, Bradley had heart surgery at nine weeks old. And, if you, and some of you know, what, know uh, this feeling. Some of you understand this. Anytime you've got to take a kid to the hospital, anytime you've got to take one of your kids to the hospital and hand them over to a doctor to have surgery, it's a traumatic experience, okay? When he barely fits into your hands and you hand him to a doctor and the doctor says, yeah, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to cut a piece of his heart out. That will rip your insides out. And it was one of the hardest times because I'm going to tell you what happened to me. I'm going to tell you what happened in those moments that, that after that when I had to hand him over to those nurses on that, that operating table and they took him back and they did his operation. And we're in, the, we're in the, the waiting room for hours waiting on him to come out and he comes out and he's all piped up with wires and, and things. He's got stuff going in and out of him. And, and it's just, I mean, he's, he's knocked out. And to walk in there and to see him laying in that, in that table like that, I felt like I failed. It well, didn't have anything to do with me. But my first thought when I got back to the hotel room that evening was, was how am I supposed to lead through this? Because God, I can't even, I can't even fathom why you're even doing this. And yet I'm supposed to lead my family through this hard, difficult situation, and yet you have done nothing but give me questions. I remember screaming to him. Everybody else had left. They had gone somewhere else. I forgot, but I was in in that hotel room by myself, and I looked at God, and I said, God, I said, I realize what you've done. You've given me two beautiful boys. You've given me a beautiful wife. You've given me a beautiful extended family that had surrounded us the whole time we were in Charleston, and I looked at him, and I said, I don't get it, God. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you taking one of my children? That you said that you were going to hand over to me, and you were going to allow me to nurture and bring up and lead, and you handed him to me only to take him back and 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 to and to have this happen to him? And I looked, I wanted to curse God. And me and God had it out for a little while. He won, and he reminded me something in that hotel room that I've never forgotten. He said, I chose you to lead this family through this. And you're going to lead your family through this. And I said, but God, what am I going to say? He says, you don't have to say anything. He says, you love me and you love her and you love them and we're going to get through it. And I didn't know how that was going to look and I didn't know how in the days ahead that was going to happen. And miraculously, Bradley came through faster than we expected. and We were home within a week and I look back on it now and I still, that's, that's the thing in my head that, that rings every time I look at him and we think about those, those, those trials and we talk to somebody who's, who's had a kid down there at, at MUSC and, and, and I go back to that, that time where I, I second-guessed how I was going to lead my family and God said, no, don't worry about it. I'm going to help you through it. You may not have a story like that, okay? I hope and pray you don't. Some of you, some of you may do. Some of you may have a story that's worse than that. Some of you may have a story about how you had to lead your family through the loss of a child. Listen, I, I don't I, I would never wish that on anybody. But I want you to understand this morning that men, especially men, and again, I, I, I apologize because this is just where my heart is right now. God has called you to lead in some extremely hard and difficult situations. And if you have not gone through the valleys with your wife and your family yet, you will. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to be hard because you are going to want to give up because it is a lot of weight to bear. But I go back to the picture of Christ in his church, and I think about Christ looking down on this church His church. And he died for us anyway. He died for you anyway. He loved you anyway, despite your sins, despite your failures, despite all that. He loved you, and he says, "I'm going to lead you. I'm going to be the head, and I'm going to be. I'm going to lift you up. And on that last day, you're going to come into this marriage supper of the Lamb, and everything is going to be beautiful, and everything is going to be right because you're going to finally be with me." Man, it's going to get hard. It's going to get hard. Christ is so much bigger than hard. Ladies, there's going to be a time where you're going to be like, I don't know if he is the spiritual leader of this house. I don't know if I can keep trying to lift him up because he keeps falling down. Listen, it's going to get hard, ladies. It's going to get hard. Christ is bigger than hard. Christ is bigger than divorce. Christ is bigger than I'm just through, I'm done, I'm leaving. Christ is bigger than all that. And he shows us this in this picture of what marriage is supposed to be. Let's say our verse Romans 12, 9 through 14. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. You are loved. Amen.